Oh, welcome along to another Forever Blue podcast with me, Ian Cheeseman. And uh, because of the nature of the last game, which was a defeat at Liverpool, and before that there was a game in Italy, we've got an awful lot of things to talk about on this podcast. So rather than do one really long podcast, which I'm sort of tempted to do, I'm going to do two podcasts this week. The first one is going to be uh, put out there for people to listen to tonight, which is Monday night, and then later in the week there'll be another one. And then next Tuesday we're going to do a third podcast. So during this international break there will be, rather than the two podcasts that you might have expected, there will be three. I hope that makes sense. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors who support this podcast, which I'm really appreciative of. I spent a bit of today with Dave, who is the man who is running that organisation. He's a big blue. Told me he'd been to uh, to the Old Trafford game the other day and never left his corporate box because he didn't want to watch the game. So well <laughs> done to him. Good lad. Um, so anyway, thanks very much to Dave and thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk. If you go on that website and you want any advice about buying a home or mortgages, anything like that, they will look after it, I promise you. So we have this lineup tonight. We have Louisa, who we haven't heard from for a little while uh, because she's been caring for a loved one. So thank you for coming in again, Louisa. You're very welcome. It's great to see you guys, as We've missed always. you. We've missed I've you. have missed you loads. We've got Paul and Harlan, who uh, we can never get rid of. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming in again, guys. <laughs> and, and I know, particularly having um, vlogged the game uh, at Anfield, that Harlan will be wound up like a coiled spring because anybody that saw that vlog will will see see the the um, and that was only a little snippet by the way but a little snippet of how he was feeling after the game. So on that basis, uh, we start on City Liverpool, of course. I'm going to go to Harlan first of all and let him just basically. Paul is a mechanic, as you know, so this is an allowance. You will understand this, Paul, of letting his coil unspring. Exactly. Or, or the spring or whatever the expression is, yeah. right? So go on, away you go, Harlan. Go. Right, listen, there's there's only <laughs> one place to start, isn't there? And I think I think we've got to, you know, forget the VAR for a second. Let's look at our performance. Um I think personally, out of the three defeats that we've had this season, the one at home to Wolves, um shall I say the three defeats, the the performance against Southampton, which you'd class the first half as, as a bit of a defeat, if you want to call it that, because it wasn't fantastic at all. Then you look at them two games, then you look at how we played at Anfield. At Anfield, let me just emphasise them two words, at Anfield, um, this was one of our best attacking performances out of the three. Um, I actually thought that we played the better football, we looked really good going forward. Um, the only problem was in the final third we weren't decisive enough, and I said this on the vlog at the end, um, we weren't incisive enough, we didn't threaten them as much as we maybe should have threatened them in the box, outside the box, and, and we weren't clinical enough, but... Overall, I think the attacking performance was quite decent. Defensively, we looked, like you lot said last week, even though I didn't want to admit it, pretty frail. Um, and personally, I believe that something that Ian has highlighted for a long time now um, is that Fernandinho is far more beneficial to us in that hole in front of the back four or the back three. And I think that when I saw the team sheet, Ian knows how I reacted to the team sheet yesterday, I thought that not playing him there was a big, big mistake. And I think that in the game... Rodri was quite passive in there with Gundogan and um, we didn't win that midfield battle in the end and that was another crucial, crucial thing in the game. But So you'd have picked Rodri at centre-back, I'd have picked you? Rodri at centre-back, no doubt about it. Um, I think Stones looked frightened yesterday in the game. I think he didn't want the ball. You've said this a few times yourself, Ian. He doesn't want the ball and when he does get the ball, 
He doesn't want to drive with it. He doesn't want to play direct. He wants to play out to his best friends at either side uh, of him. And I think that had Rodri been there, Rodri would have played forward because you watch him, he does play forward. But I think in there yesterday, we needed a bit more oomph. We needed a bit more, um, what, what, what do you want to call it? A bit more ruthlessness in that midfield. Um, get hold of the players a bit more and... Um, and we didn't do that, and I think Fernandinho would have um, solved that problem. So your message to City fans listening to this, and any fans of any other clubs who happen to listen, because I know some of them do, is you're still very positive, you're still very optimistic, because you are an optimistic person by nature. So even though there's a nine-point gap between City and Liverpool as it stands, and of course City's next game is against Chelsea, who are at the moment above City, you're still very optimistic. that they, well, Now, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, so tell me if I'm right yeah. or not, but you're still presumably thinking this is still a two-horse race. Yep. City's still very much in it. City still can win the title. Or, yeah, 100%, or, uh, 100%, Ian. Um, listen, I don't know what it is with Liverpool fans in 14, but uh, 14 games to go, they were saying they've won the league. 14 games gone, they're saying they've won the league. And 2014, they said they won the league. And they didn't. So as far as I'm concerned, we've got to keep going. I mean, what do you want us to do? Give up? Stop going to games. You know, if I went to the game, personally, this is me, and Jess as well, I'll talk for her. If I personally went to the game with the mentality that the title race was over, how am I supposed to get through the 95 minutes as a fan the way I am? I'm going to be in there demotivated, not getting behind the boys, not singing because, oh, well, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? That's not, that's not me. So you can tell me I'm stupid. You can tell me I'm daft. I'll accept it. I've already had criticism from scousers. So I'm not bothered. You know, me, me, me new cap... Um, sorry, my new hat has got a lot of criticism as well. So I'm even more famous for my new woolly hat. So I'll take the criticism. I'm, I'm, it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate the skin for me. So if you want to doubt me and you want to doubt the team, do it, do it, but only at your own peril. I love that uh, positive energy that uh, that Harlan brings to the podcast. Um, now, I talked to a lot of people yesterday, and I don't know what you two are going to contribute now, but I have talked to a lot of people, um, some of them on the podcast, some of them not on the podcast, and some of them since then who've not been as optimistic as that. Now, it isn't my job to create a podcast which is has got an agenda, and I'll never do that, that's either positive or negative. What I will do is I will give a platform to the people who are with me to say what they think. Now, that's generally three people that are with me. The squad changes from week to week so there are a mixture of of optimists and and pessimists realists call them what you want so don't don't say that the podcast has a certain feeling what the feeling is is what the people in this room are giving me so I have with me Paul and Louisa let's start with you Louisa you were watching the game uh, on TV you weren't actually at the game Mm -hmm. so where are you are you with the wild optimism wild is that unfair perhaps anyway optimism I think it's I think it's it's a realistic optimism and it's it's a blue optimism you know we can achieve what we dream of achieving now years ago we couldn't now we can so why not be optimistic well are you with that are you more negative are you somewhere in the middle where are you I'm definitely with the optimism, for sure. Um, I definitely think we can still win the league. There is by no means it's over. And I got a bit annoyed the other week when we lost a game about all the, you know, all the fans kind of thinking it was over already. It's like, come on, you know, it's, it's only October. Um, and so I'm with all that, for sure. And I don't believe that Liverpool were that convincing last night. I think the forward three were absolutely sublime, sticking together the way they did. They were like a little pack, um, you know, kind of like an animal pack. 
back. You're talking about uh, Liverpool, talking about Liverpool yeah. yeah. Their forward three were sublime. But the rest of the team, I was not convinced. Even Alisson, I wasn't convinced last night. And like us, if they didn't have Alisson, like we didn't have Edison, that would have been a very different result without even having a crystal ball. Um, but what I do, I mean, you know me, I'm more the negative person <laughs> in the group. I always bring the bad stuff, so I'm going to bring it. Um, you uh, By himself alone, I do think Angelino had a, a good, decent game. But against Salah, absolutely not. I think he was knackered. I don't think he could keep up with him. I think he should not have been on the pitch or at least have taken off and been subbed. Um, you know, Salah was running rings around him and he was not there. He wasn't right. You're right about Stones, Harlan. I do agree totally. He's just passing around. What the heck was he doing? We were being too slow. We were making too many passes. Uh, we were we're playing against Liverpool here. Any other team, we could have perhaps have won that game easy with the way we were playing. But we're playing Liverpool. We needed to be one touch. We needed to be volleying to each other. We needed to be quicker. We needed to be running forward. I didn't like where uh, Kevin De Bruyne was playing. I didn't like him in front of Aguero. I still think Kevin De Bruyne plays better when he's feeding to, to the strikers. And quite a few times in the match, I kind of felt he was... He, 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 I didn't feel it. He was more forward than Aguero. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, well, there's no one there feeding that ball now. You know, and all right, Aguero was kind of taking a bit of that up. But I just thought, no, this isn't the way we... We're playing Liverpool. What's going on? What's happening? Um, and I actually felt there were no surprises from City. We were, we were very predictable last night and Liverpool would have known that. They didn't need to play their best to beat us last night and they beat us. If we'd have been playing our best, we would not have lost that match. We might have drawn it. I'm not saying we might have won it, but we would not have lost it 3-1. Absolutely not. So that is my view. The Louisa <laughs> rant. I think we're going to call it the <laughs> Louisa rant. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I think, to, to I think more that deserves a round of applause. That, do, do, well, that just, analysis, all right, honest. let's give her a round of applause. But, just because but, it was in depth. To sum up, you, they, they were more reactive than proactive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I just don't think that we were creative enough. It, it felt like there were gaps. I felt like there were, I don't know. It was just odd that we weren't, one minute we were all together in the middle of the pitch. We weren't spreading out. And then and then the next, next minute we were spreading out and then Liverpool were on it and they were just passing that ball right through. They might as well have just been nutmegging us because they were nutmegging us between our players. That ball was just going straight through. They, I mean, they could have won that 6-1 last night. They really could have done, I felt. We were in trouble at one point. Wow. And I mean, we are going to get on to the VR, VAR decisions and the contentious decisions in this game in a little while. So don't think we've ignored them. I will bring that in. I'm only really trying to get your flavour of the whole game, which you two have done <coughs> so eloquently and so so effectively so far. So no pressure, Paul. <laughs> but what, what's, go on, you, you give us your well, rant Well, now. put it this way. It's not going to be eloquent because I don't know as many big words as these two. But <laughs> it, it, it's really weird, right? Because I, I was watching, I watched the game at home yesterday um, I started off very optimistic and then the VAR decision came and it just completely deflated me I'll be perfectly honest I sat there and it was like watching City years ago going here we go again all right. Well, let, if, if the VAR is, was the central to how you felt, yeah. let's talk about that. But you right. obviously get first dibs at this. Right. We saw. I don't. You don't like watching match of the day, do you? you don't watch match of the I, day. I a lot. don't watch it when we get beat. Right. Well, did you either of you two watch match of the day? I've, I've seen social media, so I do know. 
Well, match of the Some day of um, had uh, Alan Shearer on, who I'm a big fan of. I must admit, as an analysis, yeah. analysis, and uh, and he pointed out uh, because obviously those that were at the game, Harlem was at the game, I was at the game, um, couldn't see what happened in that first goal. So when Liverpool took the lead, Fabinho scored the goal. It came after an incident in the mm-hmm. penalty area. In fact, two incidents in the penalty area at the other end. The first was an alleged handball that Bernardo Silva uh, was involved in. And the second one was an alleged handball, I'm saying alleged for now because you can debate it, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, in the Liverpool penalty area. Um, as a spectator, and I'm sure Harlan felt exactly the same at the time, uh, when the goal went into the back of the net and then he said it went to VAR, I'm thinking, why, was somebody offside in this Liverpool move? I hadn't got a clue yeah, what the VAR you're, you're was You're in the for. game, so you wouldn't be told, would you? So I had no I idea whatsoever. I saw your tweet, you said you don't know yeah, something like that. I don't like know that, what's yeah. going on. And it was my son, who was at home, watching on TV, mm. who said they're looking at handball. But even then... He said they're looking at a handball. Now, I thought that maybe there was a possibility that a Liverpool player had handled it, but I had no idea that there was even a question mark about whether a City player had handled it. And when Alan Shearer tried to explain it, and I hope I do him justice by saying this, what he was saying was that uh, you know it could have easily been given as a handball against Bernardo Silva. So if the ball had been sc- if the goal had been scored by City in that situation, it would be ruled out. Mm-hmm. But because it was an unintentional, this is this complication and this stupid handball rule that because it was an unintentional handball, it then went on to a secondary handball incident, which was Trent Alexander-Arnold. That, to me, certainly in my opinion, was a very deliberate, and this is what Alan Shearer said as well, <laughs> action towards the ball. So that was a very deliberate handball. So they could, in theory, have given uh, a penalty because that was inside the penalty area, even though Bernardo Silva had also handled it. It gets really complicated. Yeah, but whichever way you look at it, neither was given. Then they scoot down the other end and score, score and, yeah. and you then... Uh, I mean, my son, after the second goal, gave up. Completely on TV, but it sounds like Paul, you were that was a, a big turning point for you. So go on, pick up from there. Well, so, so it goes in. Um, I threw threw me cushion to the telly. The telly survived, <laughs> fortunately. Um, it they, they started reviewing it then on the on the television, but not in the in depth normal, you know, twenty angles and all the rest of it. They just showed a few rev, rev, you know few reviews of it. Not to the same sort of level that they normally do. So I'm just, again, in my head thinking, typical Liverpool bias, which is normally what we see on Sky TV. You know, we've already had to sit through and listen to the You'll Never Walk Alone. It's like it's some national anthem. So we've all, so I've just come back in with my brew once that's finished. And this has happened. Is it fifth minute? Is it in minute? your Forever Blue mug that you brought your it brew in? It was in my yeah. Forever Blue yeah, mug, actually, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm sat there. And anyway, this goes in. And I looked at it and I thought... This is perfect to describe unintentional and intentional. This is your perfect opportunity. (laughs) Right. So Bernardo Silva's running. The ball flicks up. His arms by his side in a a natural running motion. It flicks up off his fingertips, spins up. Trent Alexander-Arnold looks where the ball's going and watches the ball onto his arm. He moves his arm to it. You can watch it in super slow HD slow motion, and he watches it. His eyes both move to his arm. He controls it, and not only does he just touch it, he controls it with it. The ball goes up the end. I'm a bit annoyed with um, Aguero, 
because he, he instead of getting playing to the whistle and getting involved stopped. and start, he stopped mm-hmm. running Good. to the referee. When I'm a bit annoyed about that, but that's another story. That was a perfect opportunity. And you know, if you had to, if you had to set a, um, a, a nice little PowerPoint presentation up of to a man, to a referee, what is deliberate and what is not deliberate, there you've got it. It was there to be shown. It went up the other end. I mean, I must admit, at first at full match speed, I didn't see either of them two handballs. So only when it went up the other end, and I'm sat there gutted because he scored. Then when it went to VAR, and then they showed a little bit of it, I'm then thinking, ha, they're gutted. They're going to be gutted like we have. That's going to be ruled out. And it wasn't. Then the second... Well, I mean, if you want to carry on with that first one, that's the first one. There's no, you, you carry on with where yeah, you're so up to. Yeah, we've so then, we've then got the second one, which was very strange. I think I tweeted at the time, the ball went in. Um, they showed it, only showed it on the television as a replay of the goal. And you saw it once. They didn't keep playing it back. They didn't keep making angles and all of it. They played it once and it never got mentioned then. I think 30 minutes later, there was a bit of a break in play and they showed the goal again. They didn't put any lines up. They didn't do any of all the rest of it. They just showed the goal again. So I know where you're going to with this. Mm -hmm, Exactly. There there has been, shall we call it for now at least, because it's unproven, a conspiracy theory because although some people are claiming this definitely happened... It hasn't definitely happened until somebody confirms it's happened, but that VAR wasn't actually working in the first half. So the only analysis on TV was the analysis of Sky TV, and that was the reason why you didn't see these two lines and why the reviews of the incidents were a lot slower, sorry, a lot quicker than they would normally be with VAR. Now, this is completely unproven. When somebody sent me this this information and said, you know, it's, it's, it's all over social media... And, and there's a lot of truth in it, etc. Well, I, I, my answer to that is, if it is true, then it is huge, absolutely huge. And this needs a huge investment. You cannot have VAR not operating in a game, but in other games, uh, because that goes against, to me, the whole... Uh, uh, method of the of the yeah. of, of the of the rules of the game. You can't you can't have a different rule, mm. a different a different way of of conducting the rules in one game. If it didn't, if this isn't true, then you know obviously you know it, it's it's just fake news. It's just it's just somebody created it, and we do live in a world where there is a lot of fake news. And at this point, as we sit here, I don't know which of those it is, and I suppose. The odds are that VAR was working because, and people will laugh at this, surely they wouldn't cover this up. Surely this couldn't possibly happen where they didn't admit well, this, this it is didn't corruption. Work. If this, if this, I all I can go off is what I, and it's there on Twitter, you know, I put it out there at the time, what I was seeing. Yeah, I didn't think anything about this conspiracy. I saw it sort of mid morning, somebody popped up. And it was like um, people were sort of like taking it as a bit of a joke and a bit of an obvious somebody put it up as a bit of a bit of a laugh. But then when I, I thought back and I looked at it and I thought that VAR was treated and screened completely different than any other game I have watched this season. There was something different about that VAR. The speed they, they came to results at. There was even one point where the uh, commentator... Um, it, it came up and then the commentator went um, oh yeah 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 yeah. oh no they've given the goal they've given the goal and it's like it just sounded 
false. It sa- mm-hmm. I, re- I registered at the time. It just sounded wrong because normally the VAR thing goes up on the screen and this goes, and you see all the lines being drawn. There was nothing, no graphics, no nothing. So you know, it it might not have, it might have been working. But there was something not right. There was something wrong yesterday. Do you so think that's why the ref didn't stop the game in the box? Because he hadn't quite seen what had happened and he knew he couldn't go to VAR yeah, to it check was, it. He, he already knew he couldn't him. do it Yeah. beforehand. They were told, from what the information, they were told ten, 10 minutes before kick-off that they had no VAR. That's that's the piece I've read today, that they were told 10 minutes before kick-off that there's no VAR. Or whether the players were told that, I don't know. Whether the managers were told that. But apparently the people in the studio, this person's source, knew 10 minutes before kick-off the VAR was was broke. Tell you what, if this is true, and as I I emphasise again, as we sit here, and you might be listening to this podcast after it's absolutely been denied or absolutely confirmed, and you'll go, what are they talking about, right? At this point, as we're sitting here on the Monday night, um, all I can say is that, that none of this is confirmed, but um, if this is true, as far as I'm concerned, if VAR wasn't working and there was dishonesty in the way that the it crowd... Was exactly. Then this is huge. Absolutely mm. huge. This match needs replaying. Well, potentially. I mean... Well, if we've... you want to get it replayed because Salah got uh, <laughs> pulled a muscle on his shoulder, this <laughs> should be replayed. Well, the thing is... You know, we've sat here, and you, and you two, Harlan and, and, and uh, Louisa, before Paul brought us into the VAR debate, have both talked on different sides of the argument about whether City would have won or not. And there is an argument to say, and and and, and I know a lot of City fans will say that if that if the goal hadn't stood, if Liverpool's goal hadn't gone in, and City had scored a penalty, then the whole match would have been different. Um, so let me ask you the, the hypothetical question, which is a difficult one to answer. If the penalty had gone in, if Liverpool hadn't scored through Fabinho, so forget the VAR argument, forget even the... And, and I personally think City had another absolute nailed-on penalty when uh, Sterling had a, a shot blocked. Mm, yep. So that's another one that, that uh, VAR or the referee or whoever you want to say didn't spot. And, and I'm not normally one to actually question referees. And, and I try because of, of the my previous job at the BBC, to try and be as objective as I can. But I sincerely believe that City should have had two penalties in that game. But forgetting that for a minute, and it's hard to do, if Fabinho's goal hadn't gone in and City had scored a penalty, do you believe that the game would have been had a different outcome? Yeah, I do. But I'm not naive enough, Ian, to think that we wouldn't have been as, um, if you want to call it, lax defensively. Uh, Louisa mentioned Angelino. I thought he had a decent game going forward defensively. Yeah, he was under a bit of trouble. Well, he was, well that's he was, what she said, yeah. really, isn't it? He yeah. was, he was, he was having a bit of trouble with Sally, Yeah, yeah. But let's 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 say the fact that you know, well, let's say that we go one 0 up. I still think that Stones would have played like Stones played. I still think that Fernandinho wouldn't have been as beneficial to us as if he was uh, sorry, as if he was in front. Shall I say? Um, I still think Walker uh, going forward um, would have been um, not as effective but good defensively, because I think he was the best defender on the pitch yesterday, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it would have changed the game, because we'd have been in control of the game at 1-0. We'd have approached the game differently, but Liverpool still would have come at us. That front three that Louisa pointed out would have still gone and played the same way, because that's how they were set up. So we can't conclusively say that we'd have won the game. However, we'd have been in control of the game, and we'd have done everything in our power 
to continue to gain control of the game, maybe go 2-0 up, mm. then I could say that we'd have taken full control and won the game at 2-0. But at 1-0, there was still a lot of time to play. What do you yeah. think? Well, I kind of think that sometimes we can be our own worst enemy and I don't believe we've done this for quite a long time, is that when something goes that badly against us, as, as the team seems to... I'm not going to say they dropped their heads because I don't think they did, but I think it affected them deeply by what happened there in that box and by the reaction of Aguero as well. He was that upset that he did stop playing, which is unusual for him. And then obviously the, the, goal, the subsequent goal. And I do think that affected us as a team and it used to affect us quite a lot when decisions went against us and we wouldn't play well for the rest of the game. And I def definitely think that that affected those players on that pitch because it is such a high-profile game. It's such an important game to play in at this point of the season. We're halfway, you know, we're almost at Christmas. The, the psychology changes after Christmas anyway. You know, it's a new year. This is the, the race for the end of the season. So, and, and I think that Aguero was upset for the rest of that match. I don't think he pulled himself together. And I've seen it happen to him before. It's not very often he does it. But to me, last night, he did it. And I think he was affected. And I also think uh, Kevin De Bruyne was affected. And I think Sterling was affected greatly because the, the cool man, you know, the, the man of, of chilled out, all the abuses received regarding the racism in, in times past. And it's been water off a duck's back. But last night he was getting annoyed. He was getting angry. Uh, you, it was a, a Pep whole was getting thing. angry it too, was, wasn't he? Yes. Well, <laughs> he was twice, twice. Love him, love him he got it. angry. Yeah, but um, I do think that it affected them. And when it's a negative effect, they're human beings. I keep, I've said this in many other podcasts before. They are not robots. They are not programmed. Yes, they are highly skilled. Yes, they are trained mentally for tough matches, tough games, tough times. But they're still human beings. And that affected them and that affected the outcome as well. Why? Wow. You three are bringing your A game today. Um, you, you've, this defeat and, and, and the, mm. the controversy around it has really sharpened minds, I think. So thanks very much mm. to, for your contributions. Let me, let me branch out in a slightly different direction now, but it touches on something that you've talked about anyway, which was the team and, and, and Angelino played at left back. We know that Mendy was fully fit. I looked at that, that, that uh, starting back five and I saw you outside the ground, Harlan, and said, I'm not sure I would have picked that. And this is me being diplomatic now. I'm not sure I'd have picked that back five. Uh, and I couldn't understand using the Mendy one to start off with. Mm -hmm. Why Mendy, who actually I thought played quite well in the last game, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and although we've not seen since his injury the same sort of rampaging runs that he was A, famous for, and secondly, we'd seen glimpses of before the injury, this time now we're starting to see post-injury a slightly more measured Mendy mm -hmm. who keeps possession well and finds his men well. Yes, there are vulnerabilities defensively, but we know that because... Pep's team is all built to, to attack and not built to defend. So that is one of the slight vulnerabilities of, of, of any Spurs defender in, in Pep's team. Even the goalkeeper, you know, they sign goalkeepers that are to help the attack, mm -hmm. first and foremost, almost more than the defending. So, and we'll get on to Bravo, by the way, later on, but, <laughs> uh, but, but Mendy at left... Now, wouldn't you have picked Mendy at left back? 
definitely I would have picked Mendy at left back. I mean, I did I did my team last week. Believe it or not, I don't know if you picked up on this, Ian. But in the Atalanta game, which we'll talk about in the, in the second podcast tonight, um, the team that I picked for the Liverpool game ended up being the team that played against Atalanta, which I said would be the case, or I would pick if I was Pep, which is an unthinkable thing, but <laughs> you can call me Hep Faldi over if you want to, <laughs> going forward. Um, but yeah, uh, bar Jesus, I'd pick the team that I would have played against Liverpool. Now, I'd have played Mendy for the physicality, and I think that on Louise's point, I think that Mendy had a rough salad up a bit more oh, than uh, Angelina. Totally. I think he'd have got a grip yeah. on him. Um, the one criticism of Mendy that I've got, and I love the guy, I really want him to be the best left back in the country. Got a long way to go, yeah, don't get me wrong. But defensively, I think one of his problems is that he doesn't jockey players enough. And he doesn't run back as quick as he runs forward, if you, if you get where I'm coming from. he doesn't. A defender should be able to shuffle back and jockey at a similar speed to what they can run forward. And I think that sometimes Mendy, unless he shows a player down the line, struggles if he's wrong-footed. And I think that might be the reason why Pep didn't pick him in this game, just because maybe Salah cuts inside and maybe would have put Mendy off balance well, and got, Pep, a, got a grip Pep, on him. Pep's argument for not picking Mendy was that he's not yet up to the two games a week uh, routine and that he hopes he will be, maybe, after the international break. You're not buying that? No, because um, for me, Rodri wasn't fully fit yesterday. Um, I think if, if there's a point there that Mendy isn't up to two games a week, but he's been playing, so you could argue he's almost match fit how the hell is Rodri match fit after not but playing for... Wouldn't you pick him for the most important game? Well, one of the most important games of the season anyway. 100%. So out of the two games, 100%. if he's only Mendy's, fit for one of them, Mendy's then you pick best. him for Liverpool. Was there no, is, has there been a more important game than this game, no. by the way? But I can't out. think of one game. Because this, this, this whole thing could could pivot now on this one game. You know, we've talked about VAR decisions, whether VAR was active, um, whether they were the right decisions. Uh, and I know it's only three points, but... That psychological mm. difference of Liverpool now being nine points ahead as City go into a Chelsea game, which if they'd won or drawn at Liverpool, would not be the same pressure game that it's going to be the next the next Chelsea game. None of the single Champions League mm. games have been that important. City have only really played, you know, and this is one of the things people are criticising City for at the moment, have only played one of their main rivals before the Liverpool game, mm -hmm. and that was Tottenham in theory, and they're not even proving to be a main rival at the moment. And in the next few games, they've got to play Chelsea, they've got to play Leicester, they've got to play, and I know people will say, I oh, will beat them. Are you really thinking that at the moment, Manchester United? You know, that they, they, they blow hot and cold a little bit. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot yeah. to prove in that derby match. I, Burnley think that, away. I think they played well against Liverpool, actually. Yeah, they, Burnley away coming up, which was one of the toughest games of the running. I think City have got some tough games to go now, but a good result against Liverpool would have made a world of difference. So the single most important game, by far, in my opinion, was this away Liverpool game. So surely you pick your absolute... You know, even if you're taking a slight risk, and to pick up on what you're saying, Arlen, maybe that's why he thought about Rodri, and that's why he picked Rodri. This is the biggest game, I've got to risk him. But he didn't think that about Mendy, did he? No, but he also didn't think that about um, playing Fernandino midfield. And that was, for me, you you always talking, and I, I agree, I think we all agree, that he is the first name on the team sheet for me against big teams that can affect <laughs> yeah. us in the midfield areas. And Fernandino is the only player on that pitch that I think really has that, grit, that ruthlessness that De Jong brought 
Do you know what I mean? That that hard hitting it, when I need it, to resort it, to He things. has got those things and he can do tactical fouling. But what Louisa said before about being on the front foot versus the back foot, of being of being, you know, proactive rather than reactive. He brings that as well. I think that absolutely nailed it when she said that. And the fact that Fer- Fernandinho in that position in front gets the yes, going. He's the man who who swallows up the attacks and 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 does the tactical foul if he needs to. Thanks, Ferner. Uh, but also is always looking forward. Mm-hmm. Now the trouble, and 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 I like Gundogan, and there's plenty of optimism surrounding Rodri. But at the moment, Fernandinho to me is the best player in that role mm-hmm. uh, to fulfil it all. So losing him in that situation is massive. There's 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 other players who can fit into the centre uh, defence. Garcia could have played even. exactly. So why why that's his best position. And you put Fernandinho in that position, it's, he, he breaks it, he moves it, he's just he he the temp the hat he's like the tempo of the team. It's no the last what five six matches, we, our tempo has been shocking. There's been no fast pace to mm-hmm. our tempo. It's been really slow. Every game I've seen, it's been pedestrian. We've not broke. We've not had a counter attack. We've not done things at pace. And Sterling has to do things at pace because if he has time to think about it, he misses. It's, and that's a fact, I think. I've not got the stats. I don't into stats. I know what I see. And if Ferno gets a chance, Atalanta, um, he had loads of opportunities, loads of time, one-on-one, stuff like that, and he missed him. But if you've got Fernandinho in there, and, and increasing the tempo, moving the ball around quick, the ball comes to the front three, bang, 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 back of the net. If we've got time, slow build-ups are no good for us. Well, it's uh, it's interesting to look back on this game now with the the, the value of hindsight, and uh, and all three of you and me, I suppose, have all been passionate in our sort of looking back on that game. Um, we are going to do another another podcast, which will be out in a few days. This is just the Liverpool game, but I'm just going to throw it slightly forward now and say, given what has happened, whatever the rights and wrongs are of it, of it are whatever the VAR, whether it existed, and all like this business, which. Maybe we'll come out in the wash. Maybe we'll prove to be fake news. Who knows? Um, Where City are right now, which is nine points behind, fourth in the table with all these fixtures on the way very soon. Big fixtures. How are you? (laughs) I'm looking at Harlan and I know he's going to be dead optimistic, right? But where are you at the moment? I I mean, the first person I turned round to to do the vlog at at Anfield was a, a guy behind me. And, I, and, and I'd, I'd never met him before. I just yep. turned around random. This is how I do it. I don't just have people I've set up. I know you appear on it now and again, Harlan, but even, you yeah, know, well, even, even I then. can confirm that it's just when we see each other. Yeah, it's exactly. It's preempted. It's... He does have a tracker on you, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, so I turn around to the first, <laughs> knows the first guy behind me and, and, I say, and he says, it's rubbish that. I mean, watch the, the vlog. And when I say, you know, is that, is, is that the title race over? Because that felt like the question I had to ask him because of how he'd just answered. Not because it was a lot loaded question and yeah that's it it's over is the title race over no I said it yesterday you really believe that really believe it there's loads of games to play lots and lots and lots of football to play you look at the build up in December of fixtures I mean I don't want to focus on Liverpool now going forward let them do what they need to do let them do what they need to do can we not just focus on our games one by one let's use Pep's mentality game by game three points by three points use them as building blocks three plus three is six 
6 plus 3 is 9 and go that way well devil's advocate I've got to play the other side of this argument this is not me being negative but I've got to you know because there will be fans listening to this who are feeling very low and who are saying he's talking rubbish that Gary Neville right so which I got from a few yesterday yeah. <laughs> so where is your evidence Liverpool I mean I think last night um I forget who was on with uh, with Alan Shearer, but whoever the, the other pundit was said... Soonest was on. Weren't... Oh, sorry, no, this is Match no, of the no, Day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Match of the Day. I was on Sky there. Whoever it was, it doesn't really matter <laughs> who it was. Genus. It, it, could have been, it could have been Danny Murphy, maybe. But anyway, uh, whoever it was said, uh, Liverpool have lost one game in whatever the run is now. This is basically all of last season and the season we've had so far. Only we've beaten them. That for City to catch them, not only from this point they've got to win pretty much every game, but they, because this is what we can see in front of us. But Liverpool have got to actually lose three or four games. That's not going to happen, he said. Yeah, but they can draw games. You know, they've got draw Ever that many. Well, got, they did no, last they, season. They've got Everton you know? coming up. That's yeah. a different that game itself. I mean, Everton they won at the weekend. They're not playing great under Silver. He's under pressure, but it's a derby. It's a derby. Different games altogether. You know, there's other games, there's other teams, Sheffield United, teams like that that are winning games. Are you not games. worried about Chelsea and Leicester now because they're above Chelsea? Chelsea are a good side and that brings me on to my next point, Ian, that I think now we're in the position we're in and we're nine points behind. Maybe we've got to look at it now along the Chelsea model and along Lampard's model and go, do you know what? Mount was being criticised at the start of the season. Abraham was. Tamori was because they're inexperienced in the Premier League. Abraham's got 10 goals, Mount's got three or four goals himself, assists. Tamori's been one of the best centre-halves in the league for his age this season. Garcia's ready now for me. Foden, what have we got to lose now? If people are writing us off, we're nine point, because we're nine whoa, points whoa, behind. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Let's give these players if a chance. City's still in a title race, when you say, what have we got to lose... They've no, got to be I mean. perfect now. But I don't so mean Chelsea, that's my opinion. I mean, if that's what people are saying, that it's over. Chelsea will not see themselves as, as genuine title uh, challenges, I would suggest. So therefore, they can play Tammy Abraham. They mm. can play Mason uh, Mount and all the rest of them. The because there's no, the there's no pressure on them. That Everybody knows that the transfer window's been closed for them. Everybody knows that Frank Lampard's a new manager. This is Pep Guardiola in his fourth season, who's won the title, who won the quadruple or the treble, whatever you want to call it last season he can't afford surely at this season at this stage of this season and you say it yourself to give up this title race so therefore if there's if he perceives any risk at all of bringing these young kids to you only do that United are doing it now with Sal Solskjaer aren't they they're saying yeah. oh we've written the season off we're going to bring these young kids through next season it'll be our season City aren't in that position no I'm not saying that I think if you, if you listen to that and you misinterpret what I said there, you're going to think he's on about chucking him in because he's given up. I've, I can't contradict myself. I've just said that I believe we can still win the league. What I'm basically saying, Ian, is that that if, if people are writing us off and saying, that's it, we've got nothing to lose, it's over, then we've still got to play the rest of the games this season and, and put new players in there to correct the wrongs of the players right. that are in the we first We have to team. do it anyway. Whether we're one point behind them or 12 points behind them, Liverpool can win this now. league by one point or they can win it by a goal difference. It doesn't matter how many points behind them we are. This time last season, last season, we definitely had to up our game. We had to chase every single match. That's what we did. We were, it was cat and mouse and we were being the cat. We were chasing the mouse. One point, 12 points, nine points, doesn't matter. 
together, we're behind him no matter how many points it is. What we have to do is get our team back together, get it fully fit, because last night I believe that we missed the creativity and cleverness of Silva, that he would have created some the chances up the Sane. front. Yeah. We absolutely, Sane, welcome back when he comes back. We yeah. absolutely missed the intelli defending intelligence of Zinchenko as well as his speed to get that ball up the pitch and to pass it perfectly into those players like Sterling, like Aguero. So we missed him last night and we also missed that muscle of Mendy on and off as he and is Laporte. at the minute. We missed, yeah, absolutely, Laporte, 100, I've missed Laporte every single match but that's you don't have to say that for me but Mendy as well because I think he would he has the physique not necessarily I've talked about this before about psychology with players and there's a psychology to a player and if he's a big guy that makes the other guy think twice it's the alpha male not me and, with, and when, <laughs> when you've got when you've got the little, you know the little cute Angelino there running around getting a bit tired getting breathless hands on his hips and then you've got the, the power of Mendy, even if he does take a bit of time to get back. To me, that's the psychology of it. So we're missing <clears throat> players that are going to come back. These guys aren't written off, for the, unless I'm wrong, they're only written off for the season. We can, uh, we, one point, nine points, doesn't matter. We can do this. And yep. this this is what support being a supporter is. And it is having the belief. And I do I love Harlan for that positivity because, you know, we all need it and, and it comes out in all of us, doesn't it? One word, injuries. They've been critical to our season because it's basically wiped out five stroke six of our key players. Liverpool, apart from, what's, what's she called, the goalkeeper? Alison. Alison, that's her, yeah. <laughs> so apart from Alison, who, to be honest with you, I've watched him play a few times and he's, he's useless. I don't rate him at all. But anyway, they've had Alison out, right? We've had five of ours out. What happens when they lose one or two? They've got, they've got to get injuries. They've got to get injuries. When they get their injuries, they've got no squad whatsoever. Yeah? If they go through this season without injuries, great. Well played to them. They'll win the league. If they go through without injuries, they'll win this league because they're not going to drop. That, that team is not going to drop nine points. We, we could go unbeaten until the end of this season, and I hope we do. But I can't see Liverpool dropping nine points unless they get injuries. We're going to come back with part two of this podcast because uh, as I sit here now, I think I could go for another hour with you three. So rather than us do it in one stint, uh, that's a bite-sized chunk for you to consume <laughs> over the next two or three days. And we will be back with another podcast a lot earlier than normal, uh, sometime Thursday, Friday, something like that. We'll be back with another podcast. Uh, and then, by the way, next week, we're going to do one on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to bring in Sean Riley, who's one of the authors of a new book, Don't Look Back in Anger, along with Don Price. And we're going to talk about things that are away from the current football and the stuff that's in the past, a bit more of a, a nostalgic podcast. So for now, thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who are the sponsors of the podcast, who we really appreciate. Thanks to you three for your early contributions. Whilst you listen to this... No, you won't be listening to it while we're recording it, but we're going to record another one anyway. <laughs> See you in a few days. <laughs> <laughs>